episode 76 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. Hi, my name is Kylie Giffen, and I am a commercial single pilot with my instrument rating. What is going on, Aviation Nation, and welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. My name is Justin Seams, and I'm your host. I'm going to keep this intro pretty brief. It's six o'clock in the morning right now in the West Coast, and I don't want to wake up anyone around me. So today I'm talking with Kylie Giffen. Kylie is currently building her hours. She is working toward her dream job of flying a 737 for any airline, specifically probably Southwest. Shout out Southwest. But Kylie, talks about some of the struggles she had in her training and some struggles that she has had with choosing flight schools and just bad flight schools and also trying to find that perfect job to build those hours. So this would be a great episode for anyone that is listening that is currently building their hours or wants to build their hours and see what the process is like. So definitely listen to this episode and check it out. If you like today's episode, please follow us on Instagram, leave us a review on iTunes. Shout out to our Patreon of the week. It is Garrett Green. Garrett Green is our Patreon of the week. If you want to be a patreon of the week check out patreon.com slash pilot the pilot aviation without any further ado here's kylie gift kylie what is going on welcome to the pilot the pilot podcast thanks justin it's good to have you we've been talking for a while I've become instagram friends we finally met for the first time in oshkosh and it's uh it's good to have you on yeah, it's great to finally put a, a face to the uh, the messages, that's for sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, hey, first question I ask everyone, it's always the same thing. Why aviation? What was your original inspiration to get involved with aviation? All right. Well, uh, first, first inspiration for me, um, when I was an infant, my grandpa was building his own airplane and uh, I would sit in the frame as he was building it. Um when I turned four, I actually got to go flying with him for the first time in that airplane. That's crazy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, it was it was definitely wild. Um, I mean, talk about the, an early start there. Um, but uh, yeah, after that first flight, my my mom got me out of the airplane because I was a little too small to climb out on my own. And uh, she goes, "Well, what do you think?" And that was, I mean, my first reaction was. I'm going to grow up and be a pilot just like Papa. And that that's basically been my life goal ever since. That's cool. I'm surprised. I feel like my mom, if my grandpa was building a plane, be like, no, nah, you're not going in that for a little bit. Let him fly it for a couple of years before, before we <laughs> well, put at you that in point, there. At that point, it had been certified for, oh man, actually no. Um, so <laughs> that was, so he started building it in 97. He completed it in 99, flew it to Oshkosh in 99. That's crazy. Um, and then uh, when he got back from Oshkosh, that was when he and I went flying for the first time. So, you know, my my mom and my dad had been flying with them a, a couple times. But um, so, th- so they knew it worked and they trusted my grandpa. He'd been flying since he was 16. So, you know, they knew he knew what it what uh, what he was doing. I was just about to ask, was your grandpa like an airline pilot or you just always like aviation and wanted to fly? Uh, you know, growing up, he wanted to go into the military. He wanted to do the, the professional aviation thing. And um, unfortunately, he had really bad eyesight. Oh, no. um, so he was at that time period where, you know, if you didn't have 2020 and, you know, clear in a million vision, you, you weren't going to be flying professionally. So, um, he flew for fun. I think he's owned five or six airplanes in his Dang. lifetime, one Good of which him. he's built. Um, so that that's a really uh, a really cool start for him. Um, yeah. But uh, no no professional aviation from him. I have a lot of respect for people that build their own airplanes because I personally would never do it because I don't trust myself to build an airplane. Like I don't think I would I would do it well enough, and the I wings think, would fall apart. Yeah, yeah. My I think my problem would be because I've thought about doing it just because that is how I got my start. I think it would be a really cool way to uh, kind of finish out my career I think that would be a good retirement project but I think my problem would be is that I just wouldn't have the patience to do it no. it wouldn't be that I wouldn't trust myself because I know that I would you know stick through it and make sure it was absolutely perfect yeah. because I'm a perfectionist but the the actual time commitment would drive me nuts yeah a lot 
Yeah. Well, I was time. watching um, the account formerly known as the Drizzle, his stories and how he had to like completely uh, yeah. redo his spars or completely redo his wing. Just he didn't build it right or not the right components or something. It's like, I would have no time for that. I'd be like, all right, I'm done. Oh, I tried. Yeah. I failed. I'm done. Too bad. Yep. I, try, I, I watch his stories every once in a while. Um, and just the amount of uh, time and dedication it takes to do like one four square inch like patch. Yeah, I'll pass. Like, no, no, thanks. No, thanks. <laughs> I'll leave that to somebody who that they want that to be their entire life career. And I'll just fly them. <laughs> me building an airplane would be the equivalent of me putting like the last screw of someone else's complete work. I'm like, guys, I built an airplane today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I screwed on go. the wing. I go. built it. <laughs> it's like when I, uh, I don't know if you saw my thing yesterday. I've replaced like 15 lights in my car. And every time I replace one, I'm like, hell yeah. You're you know, mechanic. I know what I'm doing. Uh, you're pretty much. <laughs> a mechanic yeah I, I really am you know <laughs> that's awesome wait well, hey, yeah. back on track to aviation um, yeah sorry <laughs> so you uh, flew in your grandpa's plane told your mommy you want to be a pilot this is what you want to do what was next um from there on out you know my grandpa and i spent just about every uh outside minute free minute uh, at the airport whether it was you know just hanging around talking to the other old guys at the airport or you know, flying around, going to pancake breakfasts, and uh, that's one of my favorite memories. Um, just growing up is getting to spend that time with my grandpa. He and I have been close since day one. I mean, since the day I was born, he's been my favorite person on the planet. Um, so, you know, getting to spend all that time with him, doing his favorite thing, my favorite thing. Um, you know, he and I kind of always uh, reminisce over that and. Uh, it was cool. He got to drop me off at the airport when I was heading to Oshkosh. It's my first Oshkosh. I think it was years too. Um, but, uh, you know, he and I got to talk about that a little bit and he joked with me. He goes, Kylie, if you go to Oshkosh without me, I'm never talking to you <laughs> until you get back. <laughs> oh, there you go. So you can tell so, me all the cool stories. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, so my entire life, you know, we moved around a little bit, so I didn't get to fly around with them as much. Uh, in the following years, from like seven up until 15, um, we were moving around between New York and California and Colorado. And um, so that was a bummer. Um, but when I turned 15, my parents actually got me a discovery flight. Oh, cool. Um, which was really neat. I wasn't expecting it, but... I remember in the previous months, I'd been telling them like, well, you know, I think it costs like $100 an hour to go fly. So if I, you know, if I do this, I, I have like six hours right here, you know, just like doing the mental math. I didn't have quite the full picture, but, you know, like I was still trying. And so they were like, okay. Um, so they got me, they got me a discovery flight and they asked me, you know, you can take somebody with you, you know, who do you want to take? And I told them, well, I, you know, you guys, that would be great if both of you could go. And I I didn't think anything of it, but they're like, yeah, well, if something happens. <laughs> um, Not that so, we don't trust you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, my mom was like, you know, I'll sit this one out. There will be plenty of other times I can go. Um, so my dad ended up saying, OK, yeah, I'll go with you. Um, what they didn't tell me was that my grandpa was flying out to surprise me and he was going to go with as well. No way. That's so cool. And he got to give me my first logbook and, you know, like a headset. And so that was really awesome is that, you know, like they, they planned that sur that the surprise and he got to come along for that first lesson with me. And uh, we got to go fly out. I was flying out of French Valley in Southern California so we got to go fly to the coast and, you know, scoot around and go back land. And I mean, I was still head over heels in love <laughs> with flying. So that was, that was a great experience. Yeah, that's really cool. Was that the first time you actually got to fly an airplane or your grandpa used to let you fly a little bit? Oh, man. My grandpa could tell you stories about <laughs> me flying his little airplane. There was a, I just remembered this story. My family loves telling it. Um they, uh, he and I were out tooling around one day. I was probably five or six years old. And, uh, there's, there's minimal controls in that aircraft. It was a tandem seating arrangement. I was sitting in the back 
Um, and I have the stick and I have this little lever right next to the window, this mm-hmm. little red lever. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I didn't know what this lever did. Um, so one day he and I are out flying around looking at the fields. You know, they have these, uh, the farmers would harvest little designs into the fields and we always liked going out to see him, whether it was like a smiley face or like a picture of a boat or, you know, anything, you know, yeah. it was, it was really cool. Well, um, we're out looking at the fields and I get it in my head that I want to pull that lever. Oh no. And I pull the lever back towards me and I'm just blissfully unaware of what I just did. And we're, my grandpa's looking around like, what is going on here? Why did my engine just all of a sudden quit? I had completely pulled the throttle all the way back and just cut the engine. He he looks back. He goes, Kylie, did you uh, did you pull that? I said, yes, Papa. He goes, Kylie, don't touch that. <laughs> okay, Papa. You know, just just happy to be here. Yeah. And, uh, never touched no it again. I have no idea what, what you actually did or what was going on. I had on. no clue. <laughs> I had no clue. Nobody told me for years. That's hilarious. Um, But he would occasionally kind of just let me do like slow turns and and maneuver the aircraft around. Um, So that was really cool. But uh, that was the first time that Discovery Flight was the first time that I actually got to, you know, manipulate the controls um, entirely by myself with, with actual instruction. Yeah. That's cool. How old were you yeah. for this great flight? You said 15. Yep. 15. What did your friends think of you being 15 years old and always wanting to be a pilot? Did they think it was really cool or was it like, I, cause I know me growing up, I didn't know I wanted to be a pilot and I had a friend that did want to be a pilot and I thought it was pretty cool. And other people just kind of thought it was just different and we didn't know anyone that wanted to do that. So was that similar for you? Uh, it was definitely similar. I mean, everybody thought it was really cool. Everybody was excited to see it, um, you know, talking about it. Nobody ever was like a downer about it. Um, everybody was hugely supportive and just kind of excited to see what I did with it. Yeah. Um, so that was really nice. I was the only one in my, in my uh, graduating class um that was actively pursuing it through high school i think there's been one other person since we graduated that has started going after it um but i think that's because they went to the air force academy and they just kind of figured it out yeah um but yeah i was the only one that actually was actively going after it while i was still in high school i have so much respect for people that have that dream so early because i didn't have it so early and i i feel like if i had it early you know kind of get a jump start on stuff but it's uh yeah i i definitely got lucky um i tell my friends family all the time you know, I don't know what I would be doing if I didn't have aviation. I genuinely have no clue where I'd go, what I'd be studying. You know, I don't know that I'd have really any, you know, drive to do anything outside of aviation. So that's been nice. That's how for me. So I I had sports and then I had aviation later. But once I figured out that I wasn't going to go play sports any further than college. It was kind of like a, a weird spot for me too, because I didn't like any other school. Like I didn't like school to begin with. So I didn't enjoy it. No subject really screamed to me until I took my first flight. And then I was kind of like, Oh wow, <laughs> this is pretty cool. So I guess if anyone is listening, has ever thought about aviation and just doesn't love school and maybe can't see something that they can do with their life, they should go try flying. I mean, give it a shot. It's, it's like you said, I think it's like what, 90 bucks for an intro flight to go fly, see if you like it. And yeah. Could, depending could on the school. Dream. I mean, yeah. it could be anything, you know, it, it'll be pretty cheap um, for a discovery In relation flight. to a full hour. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're trying to cut a nice deal, make it look attractive to the, to the buyer. And then they, they get you once you're hooked. Yeah. You they know. suck you in for the, the 10 grand yeah. for the private pilot license. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right, you have this dream, you're flying, you took the intro flight. Did you start your training pretty much immediately after that? Or did you wait a little bit? Um. So after that, it was, Oh man, this is a fun story. Um, after that, it was uh, a little slow to start. Maybe a flight every month, you know, very, very relaxed. I was still in high school. I was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, I was relying on my parents who both worked. And, you know, my mom was, I think, just barely out of school, starting a new job. 
Um, so, you know, I was relying on them for rides when we could go and, you know, I was having to stick to the weekends, which were already busy at the flight school anyways. Um, so, you know, it started out very slowly. Um, it started picking up right a couple months before I turned 16. Cause I really wanted that solo on my birthday. You know, <laughs> that's so cool. You know, flying yeah. airplane solo before I could drive the car solo. Yep. Um, ended up, you know, things happened. I didn't get to solo on my birthday, but I got to solo, um, not too long after, um, which is still, you know, that's, that's a great moment. Um, but, uh, when I turned 16, I had some pretty nasty health issues come up. Um, and funny enough, they started popping up during a flight lesson. Um, yeah. And even weirder, my grandpa was visiting that week and he was sitting in the back seat. Um, it turned out that I had pretty bad pneumonia and I was flying. Um, didn't even know it. You know, I was breathing fine, but my, my, uh, my lungs were just filling up with fluid apparently. Jeez. Um, two days later, I ended up getting a collapsed lung. Um, so I was downed from flying for, I want to say about a month and a half during that whole uh, ordeal. Um, so then you, you get through all that. Now you're paying off medical bills and you're just trying to like, you know, recover and breathe you know, be healthy again. <laughs> yeah. Breathe normally. Yeah. Um, Cause at that point, you know, I had one collapsed lung and the other lung was 10% full of fluid. So, you know, I was running on less than a lung for a few days. Um, so that was, you know, that was different. You know, I went from flying an airplane to, you know, two hours later, I was on strict bed rest to two days later, I was hospitalized with the collapsed lung. That's crazy. Um, so that was different. Um, you, then you get through all that. I got the okay from the surgeon and, you know, slowly started working my, my way into flights. Um, got to solo probably about a month later. Um, which was absolutely incredible. You know, you, you kick out the instructor and you taxi out and it doesn't quite hit you until you're off the ground. Oh, mine hit me before I was going to take off. Like when I was holding oh, short, man. I was like, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> it didn't, yeah, it didn't hit me until I was off the ground. And then I realized, Oh, I got to land. Like, you know, <laughs> it's on me this time. There's nobody here to say, Hey, you know, flare a little bit more, you know, pitch down. Yeah. You know, oh, look at too your fast, speed. Fast, you gotta be careful. Fast, yeah. yeah, exactly. Too slow. Um, so, you know, I got to do my solo. I ended up on my second uh, lap in the pattern. I did a go around and, you know, I didn't like however it looked, whatever it looked like. I don't even remember at this point. Right. Um, came back for the third lap and just greased it on and um, taxied it back in and, Got a, hey, great job, Kylie, for my instructor. And, you know, I'll meet you back at the school. Um, and then after that, I started looking at colleges. Mm. And I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go to college. And I wanted to go into an aviation program. Um, I thought that was going to be the best route for me. Um, so I was looking at, like, Embry-Riddle, uh, Kansas State, Arizona State, um, just trying to find the best fit. And I ended up going to ASU. Okay. And so the goal was to get my private before I left for ASU. Um, so that way I could go into the program, start working on my instrument. Um, and unfortunately, we just ran out of time before I left for school. The, the check grade, we couldn't get it scheduled in time. I had to move. Um, so, you know, I figured no big deal. I'll go to the school. It'll be maybe a quick month just proving, Hey, I know my stuff, you know, check ride prep is done. Obviously like it'll be a quick check ride. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing that wasn't the case. It was not the case. <laughs> so I went to them with 65 hours okay. and check ride prep done, um, to give you a kind of an idea of where I was at. Um, so not, not terrible, not a terrible setup there. Uh, pretty average from what I've seen from people. Um, 
<laughs> I moved there in August. In April, the school still would not solo me. Oh my gosh. I still had like an hour or two to solo before I could, you know, that was all I had left on my requirements was like an hour of solo time. Did they make you do the whole 141 training from the start? Um, no. So the, this school, they don't start you out part 141. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a pilot mill, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I get there and it's April now and I still haven't soloed. Um, and I've gone through, I think, two or three instructors at this point. The first one left for the airlines. The second one, for whatever reason, didn't like working, um, you know, with the, the college students because we had the, the college program and then the actual program that they mm-hmm. had running. Um, so on my third instructor, finally, like she and I didn't get along. Um, but you know, she was the one that at least soloed me. Um, and on that, uh, that solo flight, I remember I made a really, uh, hilarious radio call. Um, there, there were words said on the radio that were said on accident and, uh, on your part or on someone else's part? Oh, my part. Oh. <laughs> I called up and said, Hey, I'm holding short, blah, blah, blah. And they asked me to continue holding short. So I just called back and I said, holding. And I did not say short. Uh, <laughs> said uh, a four letter word. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I And the next radio call they made to the next airplane, you could hear the entire tower just cracking up. That's funny. Like, dang it. Well, at least they laughed and didn't get mad, oh, right? Yeah. No, they definitely like they, they knew I wasn't trying to yeah. curse on their, their frequency. Um, so, uh, they may have had other questions, but that's okay. That's really funny. Um, so I, I continue on, I get the solo done. Um, and now we're like, in, we're in full check ride prep mode. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, they still haven't done any cross countries with me. They said, Hey, you know, we, you, you already did your cross countries. We don't need to do that. Um, so it's been eight months. I just soloed for, you know, the millionth time. <laughs> and all I've done is sit in the pattern at Gateway. And that's not fun. No, not at all. Um, so I ended up, uh, it comes to be July and they're telling me, you know, check right in two weeks, check right in two weeks, check right in two weeks. And two weeks would come and go and two weeks would come and go. And it got to be middle of July. And I finally sat them down and I said, Hey, I haven't seen my parents since Christmas. You know, I'm going to go take the next month and I'm going to go home. And when I come back in a month for the next semester, we'll knock it out. We'll finish it up. They, they highly recommended against it, but I had a little plan in the back of my mind. Yeah. Um, so I went back to Fringe Valley and a week and a half later, I had my check ride completed. I had certificate in <laughs> hand. It. That's awesome. And, um, here's the wild thing. And it's taken me a long time to not be embarrassed by this. Yeah. Uh, but I took my check ride at 190 hours. I mean, I don't think there's anything to be embarrassed about that though. I mean, I, I it's taken me a long time to realize that though. Yeah. You know, I, I sit there and. You know, we've got these kids out there taking their check ride at 40.2 and, you know, 65 hours. And I'm sitting there. Yeah, I got my private at 190.0. I I, I feel the I know the feeling, though, because I got mine at like 90 or so because I had to keep pushing my training along. And when you when other people say they got it at like 40, it's like, uh, cool. Good for you. Like, thanks. Now I feel great about myself, Mike. Exactly. (laughs) So, like, you know, I've struggled with that big time. Um, it, it's been really hard to kind of like sit there and not look at it as, as a failure on my part because it's not anything I did wrong. You know, I tried to do everything right. I tried to push everything along and, you know, where I was at, it didn't, you know, mix very well. So that's okay. Um, so I went back to the school in August and they basically sat me down and said, you know, 
let's get your, your check right done. And I said, well, here's my certificate. I got it while I was gone, you know, at home. And they looked at me and they said, it doesn't count. What? They, they literally wanted me to go take the check ride all over again with one of their examiners that they picked. They're like, that, that doesn't count. And I, I looked at him and I said, no, this it, is it an counts. FAA certificate. Yeah. This counts. You know, let's start my instrument now. Let's get me in. And they finally, like, they didn't have an instructor for me. And I finally just said, you know what? This isn't for me. I can't take this. Um, so I asked them to just refund me whatever was left in my account. And, uh, I decided to go to a mom and pop school, change my major and just do everything on my own, do everything how I wanted to do it and, you know, take care of it outside of the 141 world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of been that story. Did, was this school specifically associated with Arizona State or was it like a separate school that they kind of like contract to work out with? Um, so it was a very popular program um, that ASU basically contracted their students out mm-hmm. to. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's a, anybody would recognize the name, but the ASU uses them to teach all the pro flight students. Gotcha. That's yeah. With when you said you change your major, that was when I was at Ohio State. There's two majors from the aviation side. It was aviation management or aviation systems. Aviation management had nothing to do with flying, but you could fly on the side if you wanted to to get your hours. But aviation systems was solely based on you getting all of your certificates. So if it took you six years to get your commercial license, you wouldn't graduate for six years because you needed those credits to go toward your degree. And the problem with that in a lot of schools is it's like. Not everyone can finish in time. People have like life that pops up and you still need to be able to graduate and move on in four years. And that's one thing I don't like about necessarily 141 in college universities is how they put the emphasis on it because it's just not very flexible with life and with school and with everything else. So it definitely is rough. I mean, the one good thing with you is you were down in Arizona where you could fly a lot if you had to. Or in Ohio, once the winter hit, you were done for flying. It was just like, nope, planes are gone. It's like we sold them. (laughs) They didn't sell them, but might as well yeah. And, you know, that's where I lucked out is that, you know, yes, I was in Arizona. So there were a million flight schools out there. There's a million airports in the Phoenix Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got very lucky on that note. Um, so at that point, you know, it, it's it's what you make of it. Um, am I disappointed that. ASU didn't work out for me. Absolutely. Because yeah. I gave up my dream university to go to ASU to chase that. Um, what was your dream so university? I, university of Denver. Okay. Um, yeah. So hometown. Um, so I, I gave up a lot to chase, you know, flying at ASU. And uh, it's taken me a long time, like I said, just to kind of get over that. hmm per se. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I've, I think I've made the most of it and kind of just made uh, lemonade out of all the lemons life has thrown at me. <laughs> That's all you can do. Exactly. What was one of the reasons why you chose, well, I guess I'll phrase it this way. People are obviously making that decision on where to go to school, especially when they want to be pilots. You've done that already. You've made your decision. What was there anything you would have done differently? Or obviously you would maybe have gone to Denver and just trained in Denver. But what would you tell to someone right now to look for or what they want out of a school with even an aviation program or maybe just go to a school and go to a mom and pop that's not associated with an aviation program? What kind of advice would you give in picking between the two? You know, I I get this question a lot because people know that I went to that school for that for that purpose. Yeah. Um, and even if I see something, you know, on one of the, the mentorship pages on Facebook, you know, I'll poke my head in and say, Hey, if you have any questions, here's what I went through, send me a PM and I'll be a little more honest with you. Um, so my biggest thing I've always just said, Hey, typically mom and pop schools are going to not give you the runaround as much. Um, obviously there's going to be the bad seeds. There's going to be the pilots that are just there to get their hours. Um, but you know, first of all, you want to make sure that the school is working for you. Yeah. Um, so that's always been my biggest piece of advice is just making sure that 
you know, yes, you are paying them for a service, but if you're not happy with that service, you know, why are you continuing to pay them? Absolutely. Um, so that's, that's always been my biggest stance in, in that, you know, don't waste your money if you're not happy. Yeah. Especially if you have other options. Like if you live in a place like Phoenix, where there's probably a million flight schools, it's like, go ahead and try something else out. Like, okay, it didn't work out. Oh, they'll go to next door. (laughs) Might even share the same building. Yeah. I had to, I had to fire a, a flight instructor last year and it wasn't that he and I didn't get along. You know, we got along very well. His wife and I are friends. You know, I've known them for a couple of years now. The biggest thing, I just, I did not know how to learn from him. Yeah. I got anxious every time I got in the plane with him. And, you know, there, that's no reason to stick around if, you know, he no, was giving me a sweet deal on the airplane. I wasn't learning anything because I was getting in the airplane and I was just you know, dreading the flight. Mm -hmm. So I finally sat down with them and said, Hey, you know, I'm so thankful to you for, for the instruction you have given me. I said, but I think you and I should just do fun flying (laughs) and I'll take my lessons, you know, elsewhere. Yeah. We're breaking up, but we can still be friends. (laughs) Exactly. And you know, he's been awesome. I mean, he and I still chat. He, he's still a great mentor to me. You know, there was no hard feelings and he completely, completely understood. And, you know, I sat there and I said, I'm sorry. And yeah. he goes, don't be sorry. Like, this is your money. Yep. This is not my money. This is your money. Well, even if he's giving you a deal at that time, that yeah. money's not going toward anything to, to actually help you out. You're going to have to yeah. spend that same money again, if not more, to get the same training all over again. So it was really exactly. hindering your whole training to start out with. So the best, that's why like, it's not the most expensive school and the cheapest school aren't always the best schools. You got to do your research. You got to figure out what works for you. Well, someone might love ATP. Someone might want to just get stuff done as fast as possible. Yeah. Someone else might want to take forever to get their light or their ratings and kind of smooth through with it. You know, they don't want to, yeah. they don't want to rush it. They want to make sure they know everything before they're going through. So that's why there's so many options for other people. And it's important to figure out what works for you before you go spend 150 grand on ATP yeah. or whatever, on whatever flight school you go to. Exactly. And that, you know, that's the biggest thing you can, you can stress with anybody asking about flight school, you know, is just making sure that you're keeping your, your interests in mind before yeah. you keep your wallet necessarily. Yeah. Um, because if you keep your interests in mind, you're actually going to be doing your wallet a favor in the end. Absolutely. Um, so that's, that's the biggest thing you can uh, learn from any of that. I would agree. So what was next? You got your private and you go straight into instrument. And I know you talked about how there was kind of a little difficulty with the school and all that kind of stuff, but how did the instrument go? Where did you go get your instrument? And what, like, how did you choose that select place to get your instrument and the rest of your ratings? So I ended up taking some time just to uh, fly around, time build, um, have a little fun with flying again, because after that, After that school, I kind of was just stressed and I was starting to question whether or not I was in aviation as much as I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, So I just started going out for fun flights and just kind of relearning my love for flying and, you know, why it was my favorite thing and um, why four-year-old Kylie sat down and said, you know, I want to be a pilot, you know, after a couple touch and goes. Mm so I did that for a little bit and I ended up finding a school down in Tucson um, where I could go sit for just about two weeks and do my instrument. And I thought, okay, that, that sounds like a great plan. You know, I can go down there. Um, my job was pretty flexible. I was working in aviation at the time and uh, so they're like, yeah, go go do that because ultimately what they wanted to do was move me from the desk into a flying position when I was ready. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're like, yeah, go do whatever you have to do. Um, ultimately this ended in my first and only, uh, check ride failure at this point. Um, I walked away from this check ride in tears because, you know, I, I went to this check ride and I told my instructor, I'm not ready. I don't want to take it. I, I don't think I'm going to pass this. 
And he said, no, he goes, I have a hundred percent 141 check ride pass rate. I was doing this 141 through their school. Um, he goes, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You, you did everything great. Um, and, uh, I walked into this check ride and I stumbled my way through the oral after like four hours. I think it was, he was like, okay, let's go fly. And, uh, we get in the airplane after ch- pre-flighting and immediately I'm just kind of stumbling through everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we take off and five minutes later I look at him and I said, I want to discontinue. Yeah. I want to be done. I cannot fly this airplane right now. I'm not, you know, I'm not in it. And he looked at me and he said, you can't go discontinue because, um, I think you're unsat. And yeah, that was, that was a, a moment that I didn't like process fully. He just took the controls from me. We went back and landed taxied in and I walked outside for like 10, 15 minutes and just sobbed. And I'm not an emotional person, um, but I sobbed, like ugly cried in front of the FBO. And I walk back inside and this guy looks at me and he goes, you know, if you were a guy, I'd punch you right now. He says, but I have three daughters. Oh and he like gosh. hugs me. And I, I think you and I have talked about this. I'm not a hugger. <laughs> and I literally stood there like stiff as a board as this guy is hugging me after telling me that I'd failed. After you asked to be discontinued on the ride. <laughs> exactly. So now I'm like, I'm angry. Mm-hmm. I'm livid. And Rightfully not just, so. And not at this point, not just with myself for letting myself be pressured into taking a check ride. Yeah. I didn't think I was ready for it was now like, okay, get out of my bubble. I'm obviously <laughs> not in the mood for your shenanigans. After you said you'd punch me if I was a dude. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't exactly. forget that part. Yeah. Exactly. Like the, the, the entire situation was so awful. I just remember being so livid to the point where, you know, we had to then fly the airplane back to Tucson. And I was shaking the entire time because I was so mad. And my instructor's like, it's okay, it'll be fine. Like, you know, it, it it's not the end of the world. You're going to be fine. And I just wanted to get out of the airplane and drive home and, you know, curl up in bed with Mayday and just not do anything for a little bit because I was so angry. Yeah. Um. Ultimately, I ended up finding a school in Scottsdale with an instructor and... They were incredible. My instructor, his name's Lawrence. He and I are so close. Um, occasionally, I think I show show videos on my Instagram of him like singing or like screaming <laughs> or sticking his head out the window of the airplane, oh, and I'm flipping yeah, the isolate switch. Uh, and, you know, like we just mess with each other. That's fun. But I learned so much from him. Yeah, because I didn't feel like I was in like a learning environment per se, you know, my biggest thing is, you know, I will be happier with my instruction. If I feel like I can crack a joke every 10 minutes Yeah, is that's, that's my personality. As long as I can crack a joke, I will, I will be the happiest person alive. <laughs> I will be the best pilot I possibly can be in that moment. And, um, I ended up taking the check ride with a different examiner this time Good. <laughs> and he and I, I mean, it's, it felt like I was having a conversation with like, a a friend I hadn't seen in a few years Yeah. and we sat down, it was very casual. There was nothing scary about it. You know, after a few minutes, my heart rate calmed down and, you know, we could just dive into the, to the actual check ride. Um, so that was great. We got the oral done in two hours. Nice. Um, mind you, it's early August in Scottsdale, Arizona. So it was pretty cool. It was probably what, like 60 uh, degrees? Yeah. yeah, it was like 60 <laughs> degrees um, Celsius. Yeah. Uh, no. So we uh, we started the check right at 1230 in the afternoon. 
and we finish with the oral right about two and we take a minute to like get a snack get some water and go out to the airplane and we take off and I don't think my flying has ever looked that beautiful. Really? I mean, that was <laughs> the best flight I have ever had in my life. Not the two chair on a horn, but let's go. <laughs> no, I I mean I was I was so happy. Like That's awesome. I, I walked away and I had zero complaints and I am the hardest person on my on myself. Yeah. You know, I can usually walk away from a flight and be like, man, I I really screwed that up. That flight, I walked away from like high fiving myself and you know, big smile on my face, and there was nothing I could have done better. Um, what was really funny on my final approach into Scottsdale, we're doing the VOR Charlie, and uh, at the time I worked at an FBO at Scottsdale, so I kind of had an idea of when traffic was, was, you know, was supposed to be heavy during the day, mm-hmm. um, and I knew that there was supposed to be a wave of uh, army helicopters coming in that morning. Well, they never showed up. Until you check. Of course, ride. I'm sitting there on the VOR Charlie. I'm inbound and I'm 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 calling up Scottsdale and they say, hey, you've got the six army helicopters behind you, you know, maintain max forward speed. And I'm like, ah, oh, I. I wanted this last one to be easy. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I kid you not. I, you know, he cleared me to take off my foggles and I come in, I land, I taxi off, get off on the first taxiway. I'm in my parking spot. I'm tied, pushed back, tied down. And that's when I see the first helicopter. <laughs> I'm like, I did not have to rush that. Not at all. Um, but, you know, I walked away with a handshake and a congratulations. And a new shiny certificate. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I was I was excited. Um, so that was my instrument. What do uh, you what do you say to someone? Because people get pressured into taking check rides a lot, I feel like, especially at the the pilot mills that you, we kind of talked about earlier. Yeah. How would you recommend someone combat that and like make sure they know that they're truly ready? Because that could be a hard thing to stick up for yourself and kind of say something. Well, so my biggest thing, um, there's always going to be jitters. Yeah. And, you know, my private check ride, I was nauseous that morning. Um, but I knew I was ready. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a different kind of nauseous going into that first attempt at instrument. Yeah. I was just, I can't describe it, but it just felt different. And I remember like looking at my notes and everything looked like a foreign language to me. I didn't even recognize my own handwriting. (laughs) Yeah, that's and so, good. you know, my biggest thing was just, you know, if if you genuinely know yourself and your study habits from high school, from college, whatever point in your life that you're doing this, if you know how you study and how you learn best and you haven't been applying that throughout your training, you know, don't don't take the check right yeah. until you can you can say that you put your best effort in. Um. Because, you know, otherwise, like me, you're going to have to repay for a check ride and an examiner and all that training, basically, um, just to be happy with your progress. Absolutely. Um, it, you know, I had to learn that the hard way. Well, it's important. It's a hard thing to learn. It's a hard thing to even know because you trust your instructor. And when someone tells you, you know, you're ready. You're like, okay, well, they obviously believe in me, so I should give it a shot, you know? But if you truly know yourself that you're not ready, and I mean, it's like you said, there's a difference between being nervous and knowing you're not ready. So being able to tell the difference between those two is definitely huge. Yeah, I, that is one thing I've stressed with people and, you know, it's, it's rough. It's a hard lesson to learn and I'm glad I learned it because now down the road, I mean, I learned it early on in my training. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I can say I'm lucky for is, you know, thank goodness it didn't happen on a type rating. Yeah. You know, where there's literally tens of thousands of dollars and a job on the line. Um, 
you know, now I know how to approach my training better. And, you know, hopefully when I get to the, the typewriting, you know, I'm walking in there and I already know what I'm doing. I know how to study. I know, you know, I know when to put my foot down for myself. Yeah, no, for yeah. sure. And it, that's aviation's all about learning. It's about learning about yourself, how you learn, how you fly, learn from your mistakes and you learn from other people's mistakes and you apply those and you become a better pilot. So exactly. If it's you the can, cliche that your, yeah. uh, your private pilot's certificate is just a license to learn. Yeah. And it's true. That's exactly what it is. And you're always learning as you keep going on. It's like, and that doesn't change if you are on a type ride, if you have 10,000 hours or just 190 hours, you're still learning every day. Exactly. You're still going to make mistakes. So you had a very stressful kind of private and instrument. I'm hoping the rest of your training went a little better. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So commercial, um, I had one, two, three instructors. Um, the first one is the one that I fired. Um, he, he and I obviously, you know, we get along still, so that's okay. The uh, second one, she ended up leaving for the airlines and, you know, wasn't anything that we could push off anymore. She said, Hey, we can get this check right. And it'll be like two days after I leave for the airlines. I said, no, I, I don't think I'm ready. Um, and I'm so glad exactly like, you know, right there. That's already me applying. Hey, I know I'm not ready. Yeah. Um, so she matched me with one of her former students and he ended up instructing me for a few months until he decided he wanted to change flight schools. Um, so now I'm back at square one and I'm trying to figure out, okay, I need an instructor. Um, Shaylin, the second instructor, ended up having a few months break from the airline training because they needed to upgrade all their FOs to captains. Mm-hmm. Um, so she got permission from her airline to come back and instruct me, you know, through the rest of my rating. And uh, so she got to come back, finish my flying. And uh, that was the best thing ever. Yeah. Um. You know, we got to take the check ride with the same guy who had passed me on my instrument. Um, we were able to convince him because at this point he was pretty much restricting himself to one or two different schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were able to kind of convince him, hey, you did my instrument. We got along really well. You said I could come back for my commercial. You know, would you mind coming back and doing this for me? Um, so he ended up coming back doing the c- commercial check ride for me and, uh, the, the check ride went off without a hitch, um, left at the, the end of the day with the, the commercial certificate. This one was, you know, not as exciting as the private and instrument rating. Um, so not nearly as scary, uh, but that one was a cool one just to be able to walk away and kind of breathe in like, okay. Yeah. I can get paid to fly now. Like I kind of know it. what I'm doing. Yeah, kind of. Um, so now I'm sitting at like 425, 450 hours total time mm-hmm. at the at the end of that check ride. Um, so I'm also sitting there like, okay, I'm almost to 135 VFR minimums. You know, a few more hours. You know, that'll be great. Yeah. Um, so then I decided, okay, I'm going to really quick knock out my multi. Well, get all the training done. I'm doing it all in Denver at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm going from Arizona to Denver for a couple weeks. And um, and uh, the day before my check ride in Denver, I'm sitting at work in Arizona. And the day before my check ride, I get a call from the school saying, hey, the, the airplane's broken. It's not going to be up for your check ride. No. <laughs> You're like buy a new one, do something. I don't care. <laughs> well, so this is a Technum P P two thousand sixteen. Okay. And so there's not even many of them out there no, in the U.S. Not. right now. They're they're still pretty new um, on the the U.S. side of things. So it wasn't even like I could be like, okay, let's go, let's go, just down the street. There will be another one there. Um, so that was that was rough. Uh, I ended up calling the examiner, and he and I were uh, decent acquaintances at this point. We had yeah. known each other from social media prior, and when he got matched with my check ride, it was kind of oh hey, I know that name. That's cool. Um, so that was cool. So 
I called him and I said, hey, do you know what's going on? He goes, yeah, I rode up the airplane yesterday. <laughs> like, dang it, what, what was it? Well, he calls the flight school and the flight school tells him, yeah, somebody bent the airframe and didn't tell us. What? So that airplane is still, I don't think it's flying still. Um, and it's been almost a year now. That was back in uh, November that I got that call. That's crazy. Um, so in the meantime, you know, I've just been uh, working odd jobs in aviation. Um, I did for about a month go up to Idaho and fly survey. Um, that was an adventure in and of itself. Uh, now I'm working just at a golf course trying to save some money and retackle my multi and, yeah. uh, it's it's been a wild ride. I mean, Absolutely. from from here from you know day one of flight training to now, it's been nine years. Actually, about actually tomorrow, oh, tomorrow's wow. nine years um, since my very first flight lesson. Um, so that's a that's a really cool kind of. Uh, you gonna go fly to celebrate it? <laughs> you know, if I wasn't working tomorrow. Yeah, who cares? No, I would. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I'll just uh, I'll call in sick. They'll understand. Hey guys, don't uh, don't watch my Instagram later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, funny. don't worry about it. That those are old. So how many hours uh, are you at right now? So right now I'm sitting about four seventy five. Okay, and what's your goal? What's kind of like your to, to get to five hundred and start applying for some one thirty five SIC jobs? Um, I've looked into doing that. Um, I've had my name in with several survey companies now. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to figure out how to get my multi done quickly because I've got a couple opportunities of people saying, hey, you know, if you get your multi, I can help you out. You know, I'm the director of hiring here and we're going to be looking for SICs on this jet, Yeah, um, which is great. Um, I am also working on my writings for my uh, instructor's uh, certificates just because I think that would be a good thing to have. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm working on those writings, um, trying to figure out when I can go do my multi, get some time off, and match up with an instructor and examiner. Um, but uh, you know, end game, end goal is and always has been to fly for Southwest. Okay. Um, you know, I I love my 737. <laughs> um, so does I everyone just, else? No comment. Exactly. You you too. You <laughs> no too. Comment. I, I, I converted you, I think. What do you say? Um, I, I think I converted you mm. to, to your 737 love there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, sure. No, <laughs> no, no, no scare bus. Yeah. No scare bus. They're all fine. It's all based yeah. on how comfortable the seat is for me as oh. a passenger. I don't, yeah. I don't have any other hate for any other, any plane. <laughs> well, you and I have the same problem. We're both not very short people. Yeah, no. Um, they don't make seats for tall people. They, they really don't. Um, but uh, so that that's the angle. Um, that being said, I've spent the last four years working in corporate and charter, doing, you know, working at the FBO, working in charter sales. I was a supervisor for a charter department uh, with, you know, Laddie Daddy and Bay Lottis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had control over those airplanes and that was really cool. Um, so, you know, getting to do corporate and charter may even be fun for me. But yeah, uh, yeah I don't think I'll ever get rid of that that dream to go fly for the airlines. Yeah. I was going to say, so what, uh, what, how would you, I guess, cause you're in the situation right now, like kind of looking for jobs and everything. Everyone goes through that situation. They try to find that first job to help build their time. What, what kind of suggestions or what are you doing to look for jobs and how are you kind of weeding out the bad ones and the good ones and figuring it all out? So it's been a, a run of trial and error here. Um, so I was doing a survey job up in Idaho, like I mentioned. And I mean, it was fun flying. The airplane was a blast when it wasn't breaking. Um, and the one thing that I learned from that experience was just to make sure, you know, if I'm going into that environment again, where it's a, a single airplane that I'm going to be flying you know, making sure that, you know, before I commit to anything, I sit down, I look at the maintenance logs or I say, hey, can I go fly this airplane for an hour and just see how it feels? Um, and I ended up actually doing that last week. I, I asked the company that, that called me and said, hey, we've got this airplane. 
um, do you want to go fly? And I, I wanted to see everything. And I ended up talking to some people who were familiar with the airplane. And it turned out it didn't sound as good as I, I thought it did. Um, it's been a maintenance hangar queen. And, uh, you know, it's after the last airplane tried to kill me a couple times. <laughs> I'm not willing to walk into yeah. a scenario like that again. Not at all. Um, so, you know, my biggest piece of advice is not to be afraid of, you know, asking to see maintenance logs or asking to see like the company's safety records or, you know, figure out what their process is in dealing with maintenance because ultimately, you know, it's your certificates, it's your life, mm-hmm. you know, that, that is in that, the hands of that airplane. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's been a, it's been a different, uh, different experience getting to go through that firsthand and, you know, really learn about the first job and the second and, you know, learning where I can be picky, even if it feels like I shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, cause it is, you know, it is technically, you know, my first job, so I should be grateful for whatever I get. But at the same time, I shouldn't be overlooking serious flaws either. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, you should definitely be asking the questions you're saying ask and uh, talking to people that have flown the plane and flown there before because they'll give you a real honest answer. Be like, no, stay away. Like, I built my time there, but I'm lucky to be alive. I'm lucky to have the certificate. It's like, all right, cool. I'm going to go somewhere else. It's like, yes, please do. Go now. Exactly. (laughs) It's it's not worth your life. It's not worth your certificate. I mean, there are other jobs. It's a good time to be a pilot now. It's not like it was a couple years ago or now it's probably like 10 years ago, but it's, it's much better to be a pilot. And there are quite a few jobs that you can choose and you can find once you have the right time and have the amount of time they're looking for. So you, you can be picky, I feel like. Exactly. And that's, that's what I'm learning. And, you know, it, it was a hard decision to, you know, I moved from Denver up to Idaho and three weeks later I was in my car heading back down to Colorado and unemployed, you know, with yeah. no idea what I was doing. And then I go to Oshkosh for a week and, you know, I'm sitting there hoping and, you know, that I can find something. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride and I don't think I'd change anything, even though it's been so crazy. Yeah. Every, every person and every, everyone that I've talked to, every pilot, it's really funny. Like we all do the same thing. We've all done pretty much the same training, taking the same check rides. We can all fly airplanes, but how we have gotten to where we are in our lives and how we get the jobs that we get. It's almost like almost everyone's different in some way. And it's really crazy. Crazy. Like you and I have had different speed bumps, yeah. you know, talking to Mike Minero or Jizzy or, you know, anybody, um, you know, we've all had our own setbacks, our own challenges and, you know, we've all dealt with them differently, but ultimately we're also walking away with the same certificates, yeah. which is really, you know, mind boggling. Yeah. It's, it's a really cool industry we're in. No, it really is. And it's, it's crazy how we can do things so differently and still get the same outcome and be able to fly a plane and do some really cool stuff. Yep. Well, cool. Well, I have a quick little rapid fire section for you. And uh, Oh, my favorite. I know. So here we go. You ready? <laughs> Already. All right. What's your favorite training airplane to fly? I, you know, um, about 300 of my hours are in a 172. Mm-hmm love that airplane um but i did love flying the technum so that you airplane choose the technum is so over 172? easy to fly yeah yeah because you know multi-time is king now all right yeah, this does very true multi-time <laughs> is king um what is your favorite business aviation airplane so i guess you can throw on oh, like man. a single engine turboprop if you want there too <laughs> oh man um You've got Bailatis, uh-huh. which you you were expecting that one. <laughs> um, from the charter sales aspect, the latitude was actually very easy to sell. Um, now, if money was no object, I would go for like a G five hundred, G six hundred, any of the any of the G rides, any of the Gs, global uh, Gs, long, or just Gulfstream Gs. As long as it's G. like four fifty, yeah. Oh no, global. Globals are fake G's. 
That's funny. All right, so there we go. What is, let's see, TBM or a Pilatus? Oh, Pilatus. <laughs> some people might say something else, you know? Some people they're, like they're TBM. They're silly. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're silly. I've uh, had this argument so many times. Yeah. The Pilatus is the best. Yes. Uh, what is your favorite airport to fly to? Oh, if you man. can choose one. I... Off the top Dem- of your head, what Dem- do you think? Denver International has always been home. Okay. Um, but I did get to do some Bay Lattice flying and it was incredible to fly into Centennial and kind of feel like I was completing that circle of like, okay, this is my first like flight and, you know, a great aircraft and I get to fly into my hometown. So yeah, that cool. I, either of those two. What's your least favorite airport? I don't know that I have one. All right. That's fair enough. Actually, no. Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Coolidge in Arizona. It's middle of nowhere, little rinky-dink airport. And I spent altogether too much time in that pattern um, during my pilot mill days. So <laughs> I would, if I could avoid that one for the rest of my life, I think I'd be happy. All right. Fair enough. What's your favorite approach? Oh, man, I. Visual. Uh, yeah, whatever one. You can choose anything. V- visual, visual. Just oh, a visual approach. Just a visual approach. Yep, there you go. Okay. I see where you're going with that. <laughs> yep, yep. Just a visual approach. That's awesome. Um, no, I actually, there was a, there's an ILS and a gateway that has a missed approach off of it that is just gnarly if you're not expecting it. Really? And finishing that ILS, you know, hand flying it because the airplane I was using, I didn't have autopilot. I didn't have a G1000. I had the steam gauges of 430 and I hand flew it the entire time, you know, flying that the ILS down and then going missed and successfully getting into the hold and not screwing something up. That was kind of one of the coolest feelings ever. So <laughs> if we're going to get specific, that yeah. one. All right. Specific is good. What yeah. is one thing you always have to have on you when you're flying? Um, my, just a pen. Yeah. I like to good. take notes. I use a pen, some water. Oh, you can only choose one. I'm, I'm pretty pen easy. Pen or water. Yeah. Pen and water. <laughs> That's easy. Yeah. Um, what is, let's see, I had one and I lost it. Uh, what's your favorite airline? I'm guessing you're going to say Southwest, but I'm asking anyway. Uh, Southwest, what's easily. Your, what's your least favorite airline? Oh my gosh. Uh, I have had some nightmare trips on Spirit. Okay. And I will say it's nothing against the crews. The crews are awesome. I just, I it, the circumstances of each of those trips were just awful and they just kept getting worse as the trip went on. So spirit kind of part yeah, for the course for spirit, right? Spirit, spirit is a, uh, I have no spirit for spirit. <laughs> who's someone you look up to in aviation, like aviation legend or who is like someone that you've really looked up to this whole time in your career? Um, my grandpa is a huge, huge one. Um, if we want to go with, you know, some uh, less obvious answers, Mike Minero is a huge one. Yeah. I mean, 22-year-old wonder boy, and <laughs> I, I want to be like him when I grow up. Sam. Exactly. That's funny. I feel bad. I hate even saying that because now he's going to have the satisfaction of oh, knowing that. He, he knows it. Yeah. He knows it. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Who is someone that you would like to meet from maybe Instagram or another like aviation legend that you've always wanted to meet? Oh man. I just met them all at Oshkosh. Oh, okay. Literally like I met everybody that I've, I've ever seen on Instagram. This doesn't have to be Instagram too. It could be like, uh, like Amelia Earhart or anyone like that. The original or the one actually flying around now? Uh, the, Um, I was thinking the original. I don't (laughs) Or maybe the other um, one. I, I've I've met the other one. Uh, we'll we'll go with the original. I think it would be really cool to pick her brain. Yeah, that'd be absolutely. Cool. That'd be cool too. 
All right, you are connecting. You're on Spirit. You have a connecting flight with Spirit. I don't even know if they do that, but because I don't know anything they about do. Spirit. All right, so oh, you're connecting flight with Spirit. You have like 20 minutes, or else they're going to leave you because you didn't pay for the extra feature for them to to have the gate to wait at the gate for you. <laughs> what food are you grabbing? What's your go-to airport food? My problem is, is my luck. I'm going to be delayed, and I'm going to miss the flight regardless. So uh, at that point, I have hours to sit at the airport. Um, I, you know. It, you're going to laugh because Chick-fil-A, it's yes. always the easiest and the best. It's a go-to. It has to be exactly. at every single airport. It's not a major airport unless you have Chick-fil-A. Exactly. <laughs> well, cool. Well, those are all the ones I have for you. You successfully surpassed all of them. So congratulations. Oh, good. But one more question. It is kind of looking back on your career. You kind of said this already, but just kind of asking you again, just to, to see if you have anything. But a lot of people kind of second guess things. And was, is there anything that you would change in your career and what you've done so far? And would you have, have rather gone to the different school or would you, do you think you'd pretty much keep everything the same? You know, I would, despite my frustrations, I would, I would go back and do everything exactly the same. Yeah. Um, I've met incredible people. I would not have the connections and some of the experiences that I do now if it weren't for having chosen uh, the the things that I did throughout my uh, my flying time the last nine years or even you know my entire life the last twenty four years. So I think uh, I think I'd keep it all the same. Oh, well, perfect. That's how it should be. And yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. But uh, Kyla, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for spending the time. It was fun talking to you and hearing your story and hearing about the things that you struggled with and how you use them to, to further your career and how you use them to, to not, cause you didn't really let them hinder you. You didn't let them keep you from getting your dream and your goals and you just kept going at it. So I think that's an inspiring story. And something a lot of people take out of it. So I appreciate you sharing that and uh, telling me all that stuff and sharing your story. Yeah. Thanks for having me. No problem. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. And that is a wrap of episode number 76 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And if you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. Check us out on Instagram. Give us a follow there at Pilot the Pilot. You can email me any feedback you have at Pilot the Pilot HQ at gmail.com. Special shout out again to Garrett Green for the Patreon of the week. And Aviation, I thank you just so much for listening to this. Please share this with all your friends. Let everyone know about the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Help me get the word out there. And as always, happy flying.